Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome again to Renovation Church Online. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Cody. I get to serve as the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. And no matter where you're watching from, we wanted you to know that this really is a church. This is a place, this is a community where you can belong before you believe. And so let us know where you're watching from right now in the comments, y'all put it down there. We've had over 20 different states represented almost every single week. We have different countries watching in. And so we're just thankful that God doesn't waste the season, that we get to do this and how God is using our church online. Last week, we had somebody reach out and let us know that they wanted to get baptized. And so y'all just celebrate that right now. Put some, some praise hands in the, in the comments below. And today we are continuing our series on relationship goals. It's number two. And I can't wait to share this message with you. I really do believe that this is a message for everyone, that this conversation is gonna be beneficial, whether you're single, whether you're married. But today I really do wanna to speak specifically to a group of people. I wanna to speak to all my singles. So if you're single in there, throw some, throw some praise hands up, throw some fist bumps, but don't be messaging nobody. Don't be getting in the DMs during the message. That's weird, it's awkward, it's disrespectful. But I do wanna to speak to the singles because studies show that about 45% of our population over the age of 18 are single. And so I think what happens a lot of times when we talk about relationships, we talk about marriage and, and all of this, we, we kind of seclude the singles. And so we don't wanna do this in this series. I wanna help you, but I promise you this. If you're married, I believe this could probably be one of the most beneficial conversations for you as well. And so if you missed last week, we talked about the first week of relationship goals, we talked about the idea of what is the goal? Because we look at culture, we learn about relationships and dating and marriage and sex from really Instagram or from movies or from music and from pop culture. And we take a look at things and we're like, that's what I want. But we really have a hard time def defining what that actually is. And if you don't know what the goal is, you're probably gonna miss it. And so here's what we said the goal of every relationship is. We said every relationship, the goal is to be Christ-centered. The goal in every relationship is to be Christ-centered. Why? Because your life revolves around something. It may be revolve around you. It might be around your, your family, your friends, your career. It may be revolving around someone else. But what scripture teaches us, what we believe, is that our lives are to be centered around Christ that when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so the truth is, is that all of us, we have relationships. All of us want healthy relationships, whether that's with a spouse or whether that's in a dating relationship, whether that's with your friends. The truth is, is we all want healthy relationships and God wants that for you as well. And so we, we know that, for many of you, you've probably heard that scripture but then why don't we, right? Why don't we have healthy relationships? Because the truth is, is relationships are complicated. Even from like a really young age, right? Like there's something inside of us, even when we were like in elementary school, we just had this desire, this longing to be in a relationship and specifically with the opposite sex, with, with another person in a dating type relationship. I remember my first girlfriend, I was like five years old, you know, and like we would, 
I'd have her over at my house and like I would try to play all this R&B music. Like it was awkward, right? And like one time she tried to like give me a kiss on the cheek and I like pushed her hand away and ran away, you know, and, and she broke up with me, right? And, and it just reminds me this week, I had an opportunity to, to sit down and, and look on Google and Google some breakup letters. I don't know if you remember those, but uh, when we were kids, the kids these days don't know anything about it, but when we were kids, we used to write letters in order to date somebody. You know what I'm talking about? You would put the letter all together carefully and you would ask them, do you wanna go out with me? You know, check yes or no or maybe, right? And if you got a maybe, you still were excited, right? Like you would take the time to fold up the note and make this like little pretty swan, you know, and they'd pull the wing and the whole thing would unravel. And so that's how we actually got into relationships. But that's also how you broke them off. We didn't send no text messages. We wrote them a letter. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to, to read you some letters um, of, some, of some kid breakups. Is that cool? So let me, let me start out with this. Little girl Stevie, she said this to Keenan. She said, I'm sorry we have to break up. You always try to make me laugh, but you're just making yourself look bad. In all caps, we're over for real. Love crossed out from Stevie, right? Here's another one from, to Sean from, from Rachel said this, I'm, I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> she spelled breaking, B-R-A-K-I-N-G. I'm breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out. And that was three months ago. You need to get it together or you'll never get married, is how she said it. And that would be sad. I hope you get married, just not to me, from Rachel. <laughs> the girls are, are getting us right now, fellas. We're gonna redeem ourselves though. This is from Delandrin to Crystal, here's what he said. Man, a few words. I'm breaking up with you. P.S. Happy one month anniversary though. <laughs> got him back, got him back, right? Like from the very beginning, there's this desire to be in a relationship. And the truth is, is relationships are complicated. And so as we go through life, we experience relationships and we, we, we try to date people and we're getting our feelings hurt. We're getting broken up with. Maybe you did the breaking up, but they just kind of get, they get complicated. Right, and over time, there's this idea, there's this pressure to always be in one, to always, to always be in a relationship. There's this pressure that like, if you're single, it's wrong. Like, what's wrong with you? And so this, this idea in culture really like, especially in the South, just because I know that because I lived here my whole life, we kind of treat singleness like it's a sin. And even in church, Right, like if you come into a church and you're 30 and single, 40 and single, 50 and single, I mean, people start looking at you and kind of giving you the side eye like, whoa, what's wrong with them, you know? But here's what I talked about last week. Singleness isn't a sin. Singleness isn't a sin. That you can be single and secure in who God's created you to be. That somebody else doesn't complete you and that's why it says in the beginning when God made Adam and he made Eve, he says the two become one flesh, not the two halves make a whole, right? Because individually, he created them as individuals first, gave them a mission. And so you and I can be secure in our singleness. And now, as you know, I'm, I'm married. And so listen, today, I'm not, I'm not talking from a place uh, that I did it all right. I'm not the expert, I'm not like a marriage counselor and I don't pretend to be, right? Like I don't pretend to have all the answers. And matter of fact, what I'm gonna share today, some things I've learned was actually learned in marriage. When I look back when I was single and I, I kind of have that, man, I wish I would have done this. And so today I wanna talk about really 
What's the goal of singleness? But before you check out, married people, I want you to trust me. I want you to tune in. I want you to lean in because I really do believe that your singleness is closely attached to your marriage. It's closely attached to your relationships. And so here's the title of the message today. If you're taking notes, the grass is greener. You ever heard that? The grass is greener on the other side. And so there's this notion that if you're single, that the goal is to get married that the grass will be greener over there. But here's what I came to tell you. The grass is greener where you water it. Let me say that again. The grass is greener where you water it. It's not just greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And so you gotta invest into your relationships now. You have to invest into your your singleness now. And so for some of you, you you may decide that, you know what? You don't wanna get married and that's okay. Jesus didn't either. Paul didn't either. We're gonna learn about that today. But for others of you, you may be in a season of singleness. And so if you're in a season of singleness right now, what I wanna encourage you with is that you you gotta take care of yourself. You gotta be healthy. You have to water this season. If you're married, you have to water this season because the myth is that the grass is greener, but the grass is greener where you water it. And I love this idea of, of seasons because God never wastes one. Right now, we're in this season of of waiting. We're in this season of waiting to get back to normal or get back to our normal lives and schools open back up and and churches get to meet physically again. And I think that truth is is true across the board that that God never wastes a season. And so in in the writer of Ecclesiastes, he says it like this. He, He starts going through this list and talking about there's a time for this and a time for that. There's a time for this and a time for that. And then he says this in verse 11, Ecclesiastes 3. He says that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. See, God wants us to have a life that's worth living. It says that he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be happy. Now, that's not the happiness we think of a lot of time. It's not getting whatever you want. But what he's saying is, is that God has a reason for every single season of our life, that he never wasted. it. And so let me just say this, if you're single, don't waste your, your season of singleness. Don't waste your season of singleness. I would argue that this season of singleness, no matter how long it is, may be the most important season of your life. It may be the very most important season of your life, so don't So don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't believe that, well, the grass is greener when I get married. Right, like what? that's the idea. Last week we talked about this, that there's this notion that the goal of a relationship, the goal of life is to find the one, to fall in love, and to fix all of your hopes and dreams around the one. But the problem is, is what happens if somebody else gets your one? (laughs) Or what happens when the one walks out? That's not the goal. The goal was to be Christ-centered. And so don't waste this season of singleness and and not learn how to be secure while you're single and carry it into your marriage and think that there's something that's gonna change. And so I love what it says next in, in verse 14. It says, God does this, the season, God does all of it so that people will fear him. And that idea of fearing him means to be in awe of him, means to to look at him and honor him, to to love him with our life. And, And so let me say it like this. The goal of singleness isn't marriage. 
the goal of singleness is maturity. I'm gonna say it again. The goal of singleness isn't marriage. The goal of singleness is maturity. That in this season, God wants to actually teach you some things that are gonna be beneficial if and when you choose to get married. And a lot of times what people think is that when you get married, all your problems go away. That when you get married, I'll no longer struggle with lust. Let me just say it like this. If you struggle with lust in, while you're single, you're gonna struggle with lust while you're married. And the truth is, is we're all gonna have temptations and desires. And so if you don't learn how to be single and secure, if you don't learn how to take care of yourself in this season, you're never gonna do it in the next one. Unless there is some drastic change that happens. So I'm not saying that like nothing can change. I'm saying use this season as preparation because the goal isn't marriage. The goal is maturity. God wants to grow something in you for you and I to become and be like Christ. And so marriage doesn't fix all your problems. Marriage magnifies them. Marriage doesn't fix all of your problems. Marriage magnifies the problem. This is why the, the first year of marriage is often so hard. I remember when I think back to, to Jessica and I's marriage when we first got in it, I mean, we had so many issues. And a lot of times, here's what we do. We, we call them marital problems. <laughs> but really, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't really know of too many marital problems. I don't really know if we have any marital problems. What I would argue is this, for the most part, Marital problems are actually singleness problems that were never solved. Marital problems are actually singleness problems that you never, that you never saw. Think about it. I mean, in your marriage, a lot of the times the reason why we have fights is miscommunication, it's unmet expectations. A lot of times the reason why we fight is because we had some insecurities and some past pain in our previous relationships that we never learned how to deal with and we got in marriage believing that it would fix the issue and the problem is, is it doesn't fix the issue, it magnifies it. And so that's the reason the first year of marriage is so difficult is because you're taking two people who what they've done is they've focused their life around themselves, not always a bad thing, but you're in a season of, of singleness before you get married, right? And, and so you're focusing your time, your attention, looking out for you, making decisions about your career and your life and your purpose and your dreams. And then all of a sudden you get into a relationship and now it's not about you, it's about y'all for my people in the South. It's about y'all. And so if you, if you don't learn how to, to love God with your life, if you don't learn this season of, of, of singleness on how to deal with the pain, how to deal with the issues, when you get married, they don't just disappear, they magnify. That's when they're, they're at its highest. And so I think, it's, I think it's important for us to understand that un until we, until we really understand who God created us to be, it's gonna be really difficult to understand who God created them to be. Until you really know your identity, it's gonna be hard for you to understand y'all's identity as a couple. So last week we talked about Mark 12 and we said that the goal of every relationship is to be Christ-centered, right? So we said, Mark, Mark 12, 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then Jesus says this, but the second is like it. So they ask him for a greatest command, command, single, and he gives them two. He says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. A lot of times the reason we have so many issues in relationships is because we get this out of order. What we try to do is we try to, we try to love other people before we even know what love is. We try to get into a relationship for love, but you don't even know how to love yourself. And until you learn how to love yourself in singleness, it's gonna be really hard to love them in marriage. And so what God says is you're gonna love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm not talking about some, you're looking in the mirror and you think you look good. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about loving yourself in a prideful way. Scripture actually teaches us that that's not okay, right? What I'm talking about is a confidence that comes from who God says you are. And so what we, what we need to know is that in order for us to truly love ourselves, we first have to know and love God. But the reason we love is because he first loved us. And so when you realize that, that, that God sees you as you are, loves you as you are, will save you as you are, that he, he doesn't love you for what you do for him, but for who he created you to be, when you've been lavished in his grace and you've experienced his forgiveness and you've experienced his love, now you can stand and go, you know what? My life is no longer defined by sin, but by my savior. And so then there's this holy confidence that comes in knowing I know my identity and I love who God created me to be. But if, if you don't learn to love yourself in singleness, it's gonna be hard to love someone else in marriage. And so we have to love God, which in return helps us love ourselves. And then in return helps us love other people. And so the goal, let me say it again, the goal of singleness isn't marriage. The goal is maturity. And so whether you're single or you're married, married people, just think about this for a second. When you think about the fights you've had, when you think about the issues that you have in your marriage, let me just speak to you for a second. Maybe the best thing we can do is to think and go, you know, instead of always blaming them, why don't we take a look at us and ask ourselves, is this really a marital problem or is it a singleness problem? And married people will testify. Don't waste your single season because it gets harder when you're married, right? So a lot of times what we do is we think that getting married will make us secure. The problem with that is other people don't provide you security. Only God can do that. Let me say it like this. A spouse doesn't produce security. A savior does. Come on, y'all need to write that down. A spouse doesn't produce security. A savior does. So the goal is maturity. The goal is to become like Christ. No matter whether you're married or you're single, it's always the goal to mature, to be sanctified, to look more and more like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to love God and to love people. That's what scripture tells us is the most important thing in this life. It's the most important command. But let me give you another goal of singleness, something you can learn if you're single right now. And here's the deal, even if you're married, let me give you the goal. The goal is to learn how to live on mission. The goal is to learn how to live on, on mission. So I love what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter seven. He says this, he says, yet each person has a special gift from God. 
of one kind or another. I say this as a concession. This is just his advice. This is just wisdom for him, not as a command. So he's not saying there's anything wrong with this, but here's what he says. But I wish everyone were single just as I am. Now, why? I mean, why would Paul say that? Well, because there really is a, this reality that when you're married, it makes your personal decisions more complicated because now it ain't about you. Come on, married people. It ain't about you. Sometimes that's the application for some of us, right? Life ain't about you, whether you're married or single. It's not about you. But when you're married, it really then does become about your family. We talked about it last week. It's our jobs, husbands, to submit and to love our wives the way Christ loved the church. Wives, it's your job to honor your husband. So now the decision isn't about you, it's about y'all, right? It's what's best for the family as a whole. And so Paul's saying, for some people, it may be better to remain single as I am. Why? Because he's not wasting the season. He's able to live on mission. He's able to mature in his relationship and live out his calling. And so let me just say this to you. You have a specific calling on your life. God created you on purpose and for purpose. So use this season to discover it. Use this season to take your talents and your passions and your gifts to serve and to live on mission for God. And see, again, we, we think that the goal a lot of times is marriage. Now, I'm not saying that it's not okay to want to get married. It's just not the goal, right? It's not, it's not what life is about. And so let me say it like this. Let me, I wrote this down. I, I don't want to mess this up. That if you've been given gifts, which you have, to use them for God's glory, use this time to live out your calling, and don't ever sacrifice your calling for what's convenient. Don't ever sacrifice your calling for what's convenient because you're gonna be presented with all of these decisions to make. And if you're constantly trying to figure out how to get into a relationship, you'll neglect and forsake the calling God has given you for what's convenient and comfortable. I see it happen all the time, right? And what we'll do is we'll get into a relationship thinking it will make us better, thinking it will make all the problems go away. And then all of a sudden you find yourself doing the things you said you would never do. So let me talk to you, man, just for a second. Because there's some of you I really do believe that you want to honor God with your life. And, and you, you want to honor women the way God has called you to. Let me just say this, though. Women are not objects of your pleasure. They don't exist to simply satisfy your porn addiction. They, they don't exist to simply make you happy. You have to treat women for who they really are, and that's a daughter of a king. You have to treat women with love and with respect and with dignity. They're to be honored and you're to treat them the way Christ loved and treats the church. And, and so I have, a, I have a little sister. And one of the ways I think about this, if you have a little sister too, is like when I think about little guys treating her like she is an object, I think sometimes you just got to ask yourself is like, you know, what I like as a brother, if you don't want somebody else treating them that way, would I like it? Or would they like it if I did? Am, am I treating them with the same respect that I expect from other people? Right, and so women are to be honored and to be loved and to be cherished. And let me say this really gently to the women because I have so many conversations with friends of mine, close friends of mine, who will forsake 
their conviction for the order of convenience because everybody else around them is in a relationship and they feel like they need to be too. And so they want to be honored. They want to be respected. They want to be loved. But let me just say this. If, if you use your body as bait to catch something, don't be surprised when you catch sharks. Now, I'm, I'm, not, blaming, I'm not blaming and saying it's your fault. I'm not saying that you know, you got to watch everything. I'm not telling you what to wear, what to dress. I'm just saying, if you want to be honored and respected, then honor and respect yourself. Men, honor and respect yourself. Because here's the deal. If you don't honor your boundaries, why do you think anybody else will? You and I, we, we got to set boundaries, whether you're a guy, whether you're a girl, whether you're single, whether you're married, whatever it may be, that you have to decide who you are, who God's called you to be, and saying, I'm gonna live on mission. I'm not gonna sacrifice my calling for convenience, for comfort, and for a quick fix. But we have to, we have to say, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love myself enough to not let somebody else tear my boundaries down. And so I, I love what Paul says around this idea in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, Though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though my, I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all of this, watch, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Here's what Paul's saying. He is using his, his season, his lifetime of singleness. And he's saying, I'm gonna use it to live on mission. And I'm gonna do whatever it's, what God calls me to do to reach a few. And so with that in mind, here's what I wanna encourage all of us to do. If you're taking notes, you wanna know the, the application today. If you wanna know what, what am I, what are you asking me to do, Cody? Here's what I wanna encourage you with, whether you're single or married. You gotta choose what is right over what is easy. You gotta choose what is right over what is easy. Because it's easy just to choose the thing that makes you feel good in the moment but it's hard to do what is right and not forsake your convictions. So we have to decide, married, single, doesn't matter. You gotta do what is right over what is easy. Do what is right over what is easy. And so if you, if you want to, let me say this, if you wanna get married and you are single, if you wanna attract the right person, you gotta be the right person. Because you attract who you are, not what you want to be. So if you're wanting to land the right person, if you're wanting to, the goal maybe for you, a goal for you is to be in a relationship, you got to focus now on who you're becoming, on who God's called you to be. And so if you want somebody who loves Jesus, if you want somebody who loves people, if you want somebody who's living on mission and who serves and who has a job and has a good credit score, come on. The question is, do you? Is that you? Does that describe your life? So I talked about last week, you gotta focus on who you're, who you're becoming. So let me read you like this in, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27. 
They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Right? He has a vision. He knows the prize. He knows that his calling is to, to be and become who God's called him to be, to use his season to mature, to use his season to live on mission. So he says, I, doesn't, I don't run aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What's Paul talking about? He's telling you this. You need to run your race. Write that down. Run your race. Not somebody else's. Run yours. It reminds me, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to to run this race called Ragnar. And it was from Chattanooga all the way to, to Nashville. And uh, what's funny about this race is you, you do it in teams and there's about 14 people. There's two different teams that you're running with. And so we kind of did this draft, right? And so um, early on in the draft, you're picking people to run three different sections of the race. Well, of course, I get picked to run one of the more difficult sections of the race to run about 15 miles. The problem with that is I hadn't even ran one mile <laughs> since high school. And, and they look at me and they're like, hey, you know, you're athletic, you know, you, you used to play sports, keyword, used to, okay? And, and you work out and all that, so surely, surely you, uh, you'll do great at this. And so they, they pick me to run this difficult part of the race, and then they pick my friend to kind of run one of the last things in the race, the easier routes. And uh, the truth is what they didn't know about him is maybe he didn't look like a runner, but he, he was one. And so what happens is we start practicing and, and I'm trying to build up my endurance to be able to run this over half a marathon race in just a month or two, okay? And we're, we're out and we're practicing and, and I'm gone. Like, I mean, like half a mile in, I'm out of breath. I'm tired and, and my guy I'm talking about, he, he felt sorry for me because I actually got lapped by the person in first place. And what he decided to do because he loves me so much is he decided to go, I'm gonna go help my boy. And he decides to, he's way ahead of me. He decides to run back and, and get with me. And then we start running the race or we start practicing. And the goal was to get to the end. And the problem was, is neither one of us made it. Even though he was in shape, even though he put in the work, even though he prepared, even though he practiced, <laughs> unlike me, the reason why neither one of us finished the race was because he didn't prepare to run mine. He didn't prepare to run double the distance. And so now, because he ran back to help me, he didn't finish. Let me just say this to you. You gotta run your own race. Some of us are trying to run and help other people for the sake of love and then wonder why we never get to the, to the finish line, never live out our calling or our purpose is because you're sacrificing your preparation for their laziness. And so in relationships, this happens all the time. We, we, we date people who we know maybe don't have the same values, don't have the same beliefs because we think, well, flirt to convert. <laughs> maybe I can get them, maybe I can get them saved. Well, let me just give you some advice. You, you gotta run your race. And every now and then you need to look around and see who's running at the same pace as you. And when you look around and you see people and, and maybe they're single and you're single and you're wanting to get into a relationship then you can look around and go, okay, me and you are running at the same pace. We've prepared in the same way. We're, we're on track. We're, we're, we're on the same page here. And, and so we, we got to stop trying to save people. That's not our job. That's Jesus's job. 
We gotta stop getting into relationships thinking we can fix them. You can't control them. All you can do is control you. So don't sacrifice your preparation, your hard work, your vision for your life, your convictions for your life for the sake of somebody else's laziness. You gotta run your race. Turn to the person next to you right now, wherever you're at in your house, and tell them you gotta run your race. And this is why scripture teaches us that we're not to be unequally yoked. That's the idea. That's why it says to not be married to or in relationship with someone who is unequally yoked. What's it saying? You need to be in relationship with people who are at the same pace as you. Because if you decide to pick somebody or be with somebody or marry somebody or date somebody that's unequally yoked, it's the picture of an oxen, right? That's trying to complete a job. And what happens is, is when you get with somebody who's not in line with you, who doesn't have the same beliefs and faith, you never run forward, you run in circles because they're always bringing you down. And so you have to learn how to run your, you gotta run your race. Now, here's a question I think that's in the room based on what I just said. What if I'm married to someone who isn't a Christian, but I am? What if I'm in a serious relationship that we're in love, we're engaged, with someone who would be unequally yoked, that's running at a different pace of life than I am. You have to make this decision for yourself if, you're, if it's a dating relationship, is are you able to live out your calling without sacrificing your convictions? And if the answer is no, wisdom just says, you probably need to do something different. Now, if you're married, incompatibility isn't a reason to get divorced. Matter of fact, there's only one reason scripture gives us that we, we can get divorced, that we can end the marriage, and that's adultery. And so I talk to people all the time of like, well, we're just not, in, we're not, we're not compatible anymore. The truth is, is we're all incompatible. Why? Because we're all messed up. No one is perfectly compatible with somebody else or you both would be perfect. So incompatibility, passion, I don't feel it no more. That's not a reason to leave somebody. And so here's what scripture actually says. I love this. And it's this idea about being unequally yoked and what happens if that is your situation. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7. To the rest, I say this, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. We're gonna skip on down. He asked this question. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? What's Paul talking about? He's saying, if you're unequally yoked and you're married, you're to never quit. You're to stick it out. You're to continue running your race, being faithful, being the model of who Jesus is, of loving and living and leading like Jesus. And what will happen over time, what can happen is your spouse that maybe isn't a believer, that's not running the same race as you, that's way in the back, that, that isn't living out what God called them to do. Through your faithful and obedience, they could become saved. That God can use your service, your sacrifice, your love to sanctify them, to make them more like Christ. 
and you have no idea that if you will continue to be faithful in your marriage, if you'll continue to love your spouse the way Jesus loves you, you have no idea what God can do in your marriage. You have no idea how it can be redeemed. You have no idea how he can take something that, that you thought was over and make it new, how he can reconcile your relationship. That through you, God could get to them and their eternity can be changed. So I just wanna encourage you that if you are married and you feel like that's you, don't be looking around right now, okay? But maybe it's a conversation worth having or maybe it's not. The best thing you can do is to continue to run the race God's given you to love them the way he loved you. And so here's what I wanna leave you with today. Whether you're single, married, dating, whatever. I think this is a question that if we'll ask ourselves, I think this is a question if we will really think about when we are in relationships, whether it's friends or dating or marriage, if we'll think about this question, I think it's gonna reveal some things to us where we can, we can discern, okay, is this a singleness problem? Am I the issue? Am I looking for them to give me something that God didn't tell them to give me? And here it is, when it comes to your actions, am I doing this to be loving or am I doing this to be loved? Am I doing this to be loving or am I doing it to be loved? Because there's a difference. Because when you've been saved, you no longer live from a place of saying, I need love. I need to be loved because you already know you are loved. And so now you live from love, not for love. And so you have to ask yourself, am, am, I, am I doing this to just love them the way God has called me to love them? Or am I doing this because I need something from them in order to feel secure? And like I said before, security isn't found in a spouse. Security is found in a savior. And so maybe it's worth thinking about today. Your actions, your dating relationships, or your marriages. Are you doing what you're doing in order to get them to like you? In order to get them to love you? In order to get them to accept you? Because if you are in Christ, you are already loved and you are already accepted and you are already valued. You don't have to live for love. You can live from love. And so today, if if you're watching this, my prayer, I think the goal for all of us, whether single or dating, whether married, unmarried, whether you never wanna be married in your life, the goal is that our relationships would be Christ-centered, that we would use every single season to grow, to mature, and that we would live on mission. And so today, if you don't have a relationship with God, Maybe you've believed the lie that you gotta do something in order to get God to love you. I just wanna tell you that God doesn't love you for what you do, he loves you for who you are. And today you can begin a relationship with him. You can make Christ the Lord and savior of your life that you no longer have to look for love, but live from love. That you can love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength because he first loved you. And you can be single and secure. You can know who God's called you to be so that you can love others the way Christ loved you.
So if you want to give your life today, I, I want to take some time just to pray. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that now. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that you love us anyway. God, that you've given us a mission. God, that you've given us a purpose. And so, God, I just ask in this moment that we would make it our goal to become mature in you and to live on mission for you. God, that we would understand that the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where we water it. So God, don't let us waste this season. And God, I pray for everyone watching right now who maybe is in a relationship where they feel like, you know, me and my partner aren't equals. God, I pray you give them wisdom. God, you give them discernment. And God, you would let them show what your love is all about. God, that they would still live on mission. They would still run their race. And Father, I pray for those right now who have never had a relationship with you, who've believed the lie that they have to earn your love. God, right now, I pray that you, through this screen, will let them know how much you love them. You would lavish them in your grace and that they would know that they are saved by your grace through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so if that's you and you wanna give your life to Jesus today, I want you to pray this with me. Say, God, I love you and I need your grace. Today, I believe that you came down on this earth, you died on the cross for me, in my place and for my sin. Will you forgive me for my sin? And I believe that you resurrected from the grave so that I can be forgiven and set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, we would love to know about it. We'd love for you to send us an email to stories at renovation.church. Or maybe today you're going, you know, my relationships are complicated. Join the club. But here's what we know. We're never to do them in isolation. There's people right now watching online that want to get to know you that aren't perfect either. And that's why we have groups. And so whatever your next step is today, whether it's to join a group, whether it's to join our dream team and figure out your purpose and serve once we get back in person, we would love to know about it. You can fill out that connect card in the description. We hope you enjoyed this week of Relationship Goals. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church give. Have a great day.